You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The State of the Nation address has come and gone, and I have to say that from a personal point of view, I think it was one of the best I've ever seen because it had everything. It had the usual drama, which was stage-managed, obviously, by a certain political party, but it also had a well-intended State of the Nation address itself following a suspension of Parliament. And there were so many things to talk about, and I'm going to talk about them now with Annabel Bishop, who's the Chief Economist at Investic in Johannesburg. Annabel, it really was quite entertaining, was it not, from all sorts of angles? It really was. And, you know, there was quite a lot of passion in it, I found, from the president. You know, quite a lot of fervor, you know, really wanting to actually maybe not just only get it across and getting across obviously extremely important as well the absolute crisis that we're in a number of these economic areas and you know especially capacity production but also as well just you know really really very strong in his belief this is absolutely what we need to get done now yes indeed i think he sent a really good message i mean i sent out a tweet earlier on saying that investors will not be queuing up after what happened with a certain political party but then afterwards i think i should have sent another one saying this is a step in the right direction i really like the tone of the speech Yes, I think you're completely right. You know, it's something really great, you know, that he said. And of course, people always complain about lack of delivery. And of course, people will be waiting to see if it happens this year. But it's about this speech. He said, this year, we fix the fundamentals. We pursue critical areas of growth and we ensure excellence in planning, but in execution in government. You know, and if that actually does occur, you know, obviously, that is exactly his plan and purpose and passion. He wants it to occur. But, you know, if it does, then we'll actually could start to see this year moving forward. Because I don't think he could have said anything more. Than he said last night. I mean, he literally actually said it all. He expressed it clearly enough. And, you know, basically, if things don't proceed, it's really going to be due to the political hamstringing that we experience in South Africa. But particularly interesting, Lindsay, was, you know, the load shedding and the real recognition of the impact that it's just without fixing this area, we know we're just not going to recover. I like the honesty. When he said the word dire, he said the word dire a couple of times when it came to public finances, Mm -hmm. when it came to the economy. And it was saying, look, we understand what's going on, but we are going to fix it. And we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But the fact that he admitted it rather than brushed it under the carpet, again, was very, very refreshing. It was, and you know, and on the load shedding front, he said load shedding in the last few months had a debilitating, which is, you know, the same as dire effect on our country, to severely set back our efforts to rebuild the economy and to create jobs. And of course, you know, the sonar, the key message of the sonar, you know, many messages, but one of them is inclusive economic growth and job creation. And of course, you're not going to get economic growth inclusive otherwise without electricity. And of course, n- neither will you get job creation, of course, without Unemployment rate at 29.1% in the third and fourth quarter of last year, the highest it's been, you know, for a lengthy period. Um, This is a crisis. I think you're quite right. Okay, the two big things that I saw, I mean, I almost fell off my sofa when he talks of a state bank and also a sovereign wealth fund. And the one thing that I'm slightly sceptical about when it comes to the sovereign wealth fund is that it reminded me of when a certain other politician stood up and said, we're going to build a wall, but we don't know how we're going to pay for it. Uh, It was almost the same sort of thing, Annabelle, without being too facetious. You know, the problem about a sovereign wealth fund, as you quite rightly say, is you need to have something to put in it. And if you don't have something to put in it, you're not going to get very far. And, you know, in South Africa, we don't have anything to put in it from a government finance perspective or from a household savings perspective. So once again, they're going to look at the remaining area of savings in South Africa out of the three, you know, government 
which were they to save our households where they're close to zero of GDP, and of course corporates. And you know, corporates have been badly burned and are being badly burned still by the very poor economic climate and also of course as well from a sentiment issue by the huge amount of um, corruption, you know, looting, deterioration in the capacity of the state. So to ask them in the face of that to contribute to sovereign wealth and, you know, particularly even in the financial services sector, people are going to be worried, but is this going to be another area for looting? And, you know, that's a very, very sad situation. If we hadn't had the last 10 years of ramping up in corruption and the deterioration in state capture, it probably wouldn't have been met, you know, with such concern or skepticism. But there will be some key people who will look at it that way. Obviously, you know, there, there could well be um, some input. You know, let's try and give them a chance again. But it's worn very thin. You know, we've had a very long period of decline. The economy has dropped from about 5% at the end of Tarbo and Becky's reign in the 2008 period, all the way down to about 0% last year. And you may say, well, you know, this 0.3 or 4 that 2019 could come out at is Ramaphosa's fault. Of course, it's not Ramaphosa's fault. It's the fault of the previous administration, the Zuma administration, when the productive the capacity of the South African economy deteriorated enormously down towards 0% from, you know, up above 5% in that 2008 period. Productive capacity is your electricity production. It's your state-owned entities. It's the capacity of the state to deliver. It's also what the private sector can achieve as well. And, you know, fixed investment in general, the capital stock. But the bottom line is, you know, if we don't repair this now and we haven't had the political will on a um, widespread basis that was needed in the last couple of years to do so, if we don't do the structural reforms now that, you know, Sarama poses once again laying out for us, we are not going to see fast economic growth. You know, your economic growth you have now comes from several years before of productive capacity, of building up the ability to produce. Without harping on too much about the sovereign wealth fund, I'm not so much worried about the looting because I do think that there are um, there is an infrastructure in place that can can stop it. You can never stop people stealing because where there's money, there's always theft. That's always been my theory. But I do worry a little bit about where the money is going to come from, and that implies a tax on an already overburdened taxpaying community, whether it be corporate or as individuals. So I, I worry about that. What about the state bank? Because this has been Tito and Bueni's baby for a while, I think. You know, South Africa really has high, extremely high tax rates. Um, you know, we are not a leader in terms of reducing corporate tax on an effective basis. It's probably closer to 18% or more. We're bucking the global trend. You know, we should have had much lower corporate tax rates. Even as a tax tax, a percentage of GDP, we are very high internationally, not just above against emerging markets or advanced economies or poor you know, economies, but against everyone. We have seen a massive climb in taxation on individuals in the last 10 years. It's one of the key reasons why economic growth has fallen apart. You know, your real disposable income growth, your take-home money after tax has dwindled. And, you know, a large portion of that has been because we've had taxes increase dramatically. Remember in the 2000s under Tarbo and Becky, we saw tax cuts. Yes. We're seeing, we're seeing tax hikes in the 2000s, which is, you know, your 2010 to 2019 decade, uh, 2010s decade. We're seeing tax hikes in that period. And, of course, now, the, the, and not just direct, you know, on personal income tax and, you know, VAT, but also indirect, huge, massive escalations and tariffs and obviously the sin taxes as well, a number of other areas. If we now ramp forwards into further tax increases, you're just going to see a further slowing on the economy. And that is what the Davis Tax Commission has, has said. You know, you establish a tax commission to advise you on what you should do from a taxation perspective that would aid from an economic growth perspective and also alleviation of the poorest plight and a number of other factors. If you carry on 
with rapid expenditure, as we have obviously seen in the previous uh, decade, and, you know, you, you just keep on increasing taxes, um, well, you know, you're going to have that deterioration in growth. And of course, what is very important to me last night is that the president talked about expenditure, cutting expenditure, certainly, um, you know, wasteful, needless expenditure, but he said that wasn't enough. And this, I think, is going to be a key feature for the budget. This is probably one of the most important drawouts for me from the Sonar last night, that if you actually have a look at the um, expenditure, it's still going to be too high. So we actually need to do something else. And we're in consultation with the unions, with labor to limit the salary and wage increases. So they are not increasing in real terms. So they, they, they increase at an inflation rate and people don't get more money over and above that inflation rate unnecessarily. So, you know, that is the key um, message from the credit rating agencies. We need to cut expenditure to curtail, to lower, to reduce our um, government debt trajectory. And, of course, really, really important for South Africa now to see this translated through in the budget. The president said it will come through in the budget. So we will could well see it announced in the budget. But, of course, to see the compact from Labour. And, you know, we have already seen Labour trying to come to the party with the Casato deal with you know, the Eskom debt. And, you know, hopefully we'll be successful on this front. Annabelle, good answer about the Sovereign Wealth Fund and how it might be funded. What about the State Bank? What is a State Bank? Why do we need a State Bank? What's the purpose of a State Bank? How is that going to be funded? Who's it going to benefit? Loads of questions there. Look, I think, you know, obviously we'll wait and see exactly what all the plans are going to be. But certainly, you know, one anticipate that it would dovetail with developmental economics, you know, with the developmental objectives of the economy. Um, from that perspective, obviously, provide assistance. One would hope it's not a precursor, and obviously no one would think it is, to some form of nationalization. But, you know, the, 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 bottom, the bottom line essentially is that we have a huge number of individuals in the South African economy who are unemployed or underemployed or who just have stopped looking for work. And we have a massive pressure, um, social welfare pressure on the state. Look, it's not as um, substantial from an escalation expenditure perspective as the civil servants' salaries and wages are. It's, it's much, um, you know, much less of an um, acceleration in, in pressure on the finances each year. But nevertheless, it's, it's still there. And it gets worse if you continue to have more people unemployed, as we've seen from the rising unemployment rate, um, underemployed, your youth unemployment rate rising towards 50%. And all of these are highly problematic features for the South African economy. So, you know, we'll wait and hear, you know, exactly what the purpose is. And, but it's, 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 one of, it's one of these situations where perhaps you wonder, is it really necessary? Okay. What we've got so far is a sovereign wealth fund, a state bank. We've got cutting expenditure, whether that means um, uh, culling jobs or whether it just means a freeze on wage increases above inflation. I don't know. But anyway, all very, very good indeed. There's so many other things as well to talk about. You've got your youth unemployment, energy, uh, climate crisis, basic education, rail, state-owned enterprises. Can we start with state-owned enterprises? What was the word there, please? Look, particularly, um, I think Eskom being the most important one, but of course, you know, SA as well. You know, they're looking to obviously keep it in, in, in business rescue, but of course, you know, Eskom the key one. And the president's saying over the next few months, as Eskom works to restore its operational capabilities, we will be implementing measures that will fundamentally change the trajectory of energy generation in our country. And you're not going to do that without bringing in independent power producers. And indeed, you know, the message there for this SOE was, you know, that we are going to take the following measures to increase capacity outside of Eskom, and that obviously will be the Integrated Resource Plan of 2019, which has a huge amount of renewable energy um, planned for South Africa in the future, and natural gas, hydropower, battery storage, and coal, which, as we can see, cannot be financed by Eskom in its current state, and, of course, will likely need a huge amount of input 
from the private sector. And of course, you know, we've got about up to 5,000 megawatts of renewable energy, which could be released <clears throat> um, in, in, in the near term from a build perspective, not this year, but certainly in the next few years. And then by 2030, up to 30,000 megawatts, you know, so that, that's substantially important. And of course, as well, the... Um, Self-supply energy generation, you know, people generating electricity at home, for example, in a residential perspective or in businesses, bigger, you know, generations coming through from the industrial sector, mining, agriculture, all of those, you know, looking to have these fed onto the grid. And of course, that's very important. Then, of course, opening the, the bids for, um, you know, renewable IPP work as well. And, you know, really just looking to starting to broaden the base and, um the fact that the RRP 2019 is being accepted and stated in the sonar that they're going to go ahead with it is good news because the RRP 2018 didn't actually go ahead. <laughs> and, of course, you know, the, the grave concern is where are we going to be from a, a growth and job creation perspective, but from a electricity production perspective in the next few years if we don't, you know, look ahead. So I think, you know, the, the point is that they also indicated that, that it's still on the table to discuss the um, – social compact on electricity under NEDLAC. And of course, this brings in Kasatu's suggestions. And they obviously have indicated most recently they're looking for wider and broader consultation. But nevertheless, they're looking to work really hard on this. And I think if it becomes, it seems to be a very broad-based um, effort, you know, across many different um, sectors of the economy, or, you know, maybe we should rather say many social groups of the economy, as they call, call it a social compact, business, labor, government, to really try and get this on the road. So for me, that's very important about ESCOM to recognize it's both about the electricity capacity or security of supply for the country, not for, not necessarily for ESCOM, but also about ESCOM's debt, you know. So moving away from ESCOM as necessarily the sole um, energy producer in South Africa is also really key for us to be successful going forwards. Very good. Other issues that were brought up, higher education, state capture, crime, gender-based violence. He covered everything, and I think he covered it very well. Apart from the, the really big ones that we've already referenced, what were the takeaways for you, Annabelle, apart from the tone and the big ones? Was there anything else that caught your eye that might even be market-moving events? Look, I think certainly the electricity is probably going to be the biggest one. I know we've talked about it quite substantially. You know, really the... Um, other infrastructure as well in South Africa is key, and that's, you know, rail. And obviously, I talk about fixing commuter rail, the process rail network, but of course, also as well, the barriers to job creation. And, you know, that, that, that did catch my eye, um, you know, from an infrastructure perspective, water use licenses um, have taken a very long time to process, you know, sometimes up to five years, you know, looking to obviously process them in 90 days. And of course, the, the, the little um, headline we saw as well, you know, taking up to a day perhaps to register a business, that, that's really I think for me, what's also quite important for me in the sonar, really looking at the regulatory environment for South Africa, making you know a huge effort to reduce the regulatory red tape, to make it easier to do business, and that, of course, we're quickening the ability to register a business comes through. But also, of course, as well, water rights and a number of other um, blockages that, have, that are in the governmental system. You know, government pro productivity quite low in a number of areas from the ability to approve and enact regulatory requirements to allow businesses to get the rights they need to proceed. So all of that, quickening that up, would be very um, important as well. Annabelle, I, I sense the hand of Tito Mbaweni in this, in this State of the Nation address, and no doubt details will be forthcoming and the whole State of the Nation address tone will be fleshed out in the budget speech, which is on the 26th of February. I'm looking forward to that suddenly. 
Yes, I'm also looking forward to it a lot because I want to see what the adjustments are going to be. I mean, I now expect, and I think many other people are going to do the same, that there actually will be an adjustment downwards in the debt trajectory and that we will obviously see the curtailment of the expenditure plans, particularly on the civil service salary and wage increase part. I mean, we even heard that ESCOM obviously is looking to allow early retirement at SOE, a type of natural attrition to reduce the head count. I mean, I suppose that is something that could be helpful in some other areas. It's not going to yield a lot, but actually what will make the biggest difference is to not let salary and wage increases rise above 4% this year in general in the civil service, unless there actually has been a proper functional change in a job, you know, the, the normal reasons for those changes. So that will be really great news because credit rating agencies really only look at the sustainability of debt, the credit worthiness of a sovereign's debt, and, of course, its ability to repay. And the more debt you have and the more debt you plan to have in the future, particularly if you're using monies raised from debt to actually pay off your interest on that debt, you know, that's a, a real risky situation, a debt trap cycle. You know, moving away from that, moving away from a current deficit, moving into a um, – current surplus and obviously you know really making a big effort on this part could see us avoid a moody's credit rating downgrade in march let's hope so annabelle thanks so much for your excellent analysis of what was a very intriguing state of the nation address last night that's annabelle bishop the chief economist at investec in johannesburg the views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of lindsay williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.